Welcome, New Jersey Devil fans. It is Wednesday, February 22nd. And you are on with Bill Botch. Welcome to the Trap Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. The Devils are in the middle of a four-game homestand. And I'm hoping that they're going to be able to take advantage of some of these games against some favorable matchups. And unfortunately, that didn't happen last night. Hope you all are well. So this weekend was a tale of two different teams. The Devils ended up, uh, they played Saturday night. They were on the road in Pittsburgh. And they it was a very wide open game. They were able to use their speed and transition. Um, they were able to use their open ice. And they really put on a very dominating performance. One of their better performances in the past month or two. And uh, it was... Um, it was really good to see because they had been winning games that they hadn't necessarily earned, um, but they were finding ways to win. The game versus Pittsburgh, they completely dominated, and um, they look like a very sound, well-rounded team. Now, the most then they ended up they came back from being on the road and they had this to the start a four-game homestand in Newark. They had a game versus Winnipeg, who was a good team. What was the most impressive thing was they won this game as well, but they won it in a completely different fashion than they won the game on Saturday night. This game was a lot tighter. Open ice was harder to come by, a little more physical. Teams were, it was, um, teams controlled the neutral zone. It was not easy to get through the neutral zone with speed. And, um, and it was a really gutsy performance by the team. So the, they were down. The, the Devils ended up being down 2-1 to one going into the third period. And they had an amazing performance by Dawson Mercer, who has been on a real roll as of late, which is really encouraging to see because it was just a week or two ago. It was about a week ago that on the, la- on the last podcast where I had brought up that Mercer had had some struggles between the lack of shots, he hadn't scored a goal in a while, he had that great game versus Carolina, but since then he was, he was, it wasn't uh, coming to him very easy and he wasn't being seen out there um, and making an impact on the game like the way that we know that he can. I don't know if it was the trade rumors that have popped up with his name in them, which we'll get to in a little bit, but... Over the past five games, Dawson Mercer looks like a completely different player since they've he's been moved up to play on the first line with Nico. Um, the game Saturday night was awesome. Everybody, uh, Monday was President's Day, so all the kids had off school. It was a sellout. The building was on fire. Um, I posted a video of Bauman getting the Devil's Chant going, and he was... He was fired up, and obviously, some of your younger people, you know him from going to games, and you've seen him around, but I was I was actually surprised to see some of the responses to uh, the Bauman video, because Mark Bauman's been around, literally, I can only, I've only been going to games since 1993, so, you know, there's 11 years prior of Devils Hockey that I had not been to live, but I can tell you that... In 1993, he was in Brendan Byrne Arena up in the corner doing the Devils chant. Um, And he was also a guy that when the Devils won their first Stanley Cup in 1995, he was there on the following year opening night and was one of the guests that actually raised the Stanley Cup banner into the rafters. So this guy is a legend. And I saw a couple of kids... I'm going to call you a kid because you're probably like 23, 24 years old. And younger guys who brought up, well, you know, he's good, but he's, you know, he, you know, Bauman's, yeah, I've seen him around, but he only shows up when the team is winning. And it's like, dude, come on, man. The guy's been doing this literally his entire life. Um, and everybody has their own stuff going on in life. The fact that he makes it out as much as he does, and I'm sure at some point he probably thought, 
I don't know. This is a little ridiculous. Do I really want to keep doing this? All the losing years that the Devils had, he was still showing up to games. It doesn't have to be every game. People have lives. It's like everybody has their own stuff going on. He has been a staple, and I would say he's probably the most famous and the greatest Devil fan that's ever lived. So um, let's give that guy the nod that he deserves because he literally is a Devil's legend. And um, it was awesome to see him so fired up on Sunday night, getting everybody going. It was a, it was a good one. He had everybody. Everybody was bought in. Um, the fan base in general was there was a vibe in that building prior to puck drop, during the national anthem. I don't know what I created. I, you know, people always yell during the national anthem, but the the we want Timo thing has now become a a, you know, a common uh thing to be screamed um, during the anthem, which I, I don't know if I'm very proud of that, but uh, the place, my point is the place was really buzzing and there was definitely a different energy in there um, prior to the game. Everyone was obviously very excited coming off of the, the road wins that we had just, uh, we had just put together with, without Jack Hughes. Now Hughes is back. He was back on the road in Pittsburgh, but he was back at home for the first time, and um, and it was good. It was just good to see. It's like you could tell there's been a lot of Devil fans who have not had a chance to see very good hockey in their lifetime, and or since they became extremely passionate about the team. And this is an opportunity for for you know people in their early twenties or kids or even people in their early thirties who weren't around during the 2003 and and prior runs to really get to see a quality hockey team. Now obviously the you know the Devils made it to the Stanley Cup finals in 2012, so that was there were you've seen some good playoff stuff, but you get what I'm saying, it's been a very long time. Um but man, we I tell you what, our fan base has some serious characters and they're funny. They're real funny. Um I went with my son William, and we just saw like we we just had some funny people around us. We had a guy who had a very young picture, like a young Charles Manson kind of vibe going on with him. Um, he he had a crazy look in his eye, and he had like really long hair, and was wearing uh you know was wearing his Nico jersey, and he had a hat on. He's by himself, and the guy looked like he must have drank about. 133 beers like he was wasted um and he wasn't being that vulgar or anything he was giving the other team the the finger and he was screaming at the top of his lungs but his voice was so hoarse and so gone that you he like nothing was really coming out he was just kind of like you could tell he was just very animated and, and angry and wanted to tell the other team what he thought about him but he there there, there was nothing really projecting um, but me and my son are getting a real kick out of it. Everybody in our section was, and, um, they ended up playing welcome to the jungle and he, his hat flies off. He almost falls down a couple rows of stairs. He starts playing the, the air guitar and head banging and knocking himself over. And it was causing a whole scene. And it's funny because, and we were getting such a kick out of it. And it was funny because I had read online from other people that they had, not people doing the same thing, but there were people that were just so fired up. And I guess it's because people didn't have work on Monday. Um, and maybe they were just drinking all day, but someone posted a story, which is not cool about a guy who was super wasted and threw up all over next to him. And, you know, it's funny, like I've, I've become friendly with the ushers and the security at the Prudential Center um, because I go to a lot of games and they're very nice, sweet people. But in the big scheme of things, like you could kind of do whatever you want in that place. I've been at games where I'm not talking about the beer throwing night on, on Thanksgiving Eve. I'm talking about like, I've been at games where we've seen people in our section throwing stuff onto the other team's bench, people fighting. I've been at a game where a guy behind me got all of his garbage and his food and he threw it down the stairwell, all kinds of trashy things. And I mean, it really takes a lot. If you get thrown out of a devil's game, Man, you are doing so. You are way out of control because I've seen some really 
reckless behavior in that place. And really, it just, they turned a blind, a blind eye to it, um, which, you know, I don't condone. I mean, I, I, like, I like to think it's like, uh, hockey seems to be like, to me, is like one of these places where you could bring your family. It's a family-friendly place, and you could bring your kids. So, but yeah, it's kind of no holds bar in that place, especially if the Devils are going to be good and going into the playoffs, and they're going to have sellout buildings, and it's going to be... You're gonna see some. You're. It's gonna get a lot funner. Um, it does make for a good time. Like you could tell, people are very passionate. People are screaming and yelling and and really into it. So, I really am happy for the entire fan base. It makes it fun for everybody that's going. If you haven't been to a game in a minute, I really highly suggest trying to land yourself some tickets down the stretch because, um, I think the players feed off the fans and the and the fans are feeding off the team. So. Um, it was a great experience, and uh, my son can't wait to go back. So thank you for all you crazy fans out there that made it uh, made it very special. Now, uh, in that game, Mackenzie Blackwood led up two early first-period goals, and this would typically be a game where Blackwood used to fold after that, and this didn't it didn't happen in this case. He actually he played really well for the rest of the game and gave the Devils an opportunity to come back and score, I believe it was three goals in the third period, um, plus an empty netter. I think it was, I think it was what, five to, five to two? And it was led by Dawson Mercer. And Dawson Mercer had a two-goal night. One was the empty netter where he kind of ran into the post that looked like he could have been injured on. But Mercer has been on fire. And um, I'm so happy for him. He's a guy that... Devil fans love. I mean, he has a great personality. You could tell he's a team player. He doesn't have a bad bone in his body. And he's a guy that when you know that when he's out on the ice, he's going to be hustling and he's going to be getting after it. And he did. He just straight out hustled Cole Perfetti for that loose puck who had a couple steps on him to really close the game out with that empty net goal at the end of the game. Another thing that is very um, – that I love to see is, and I've brought it up in the last podcast or the one before that was our third line. And, um, the Fabian Zetterlin Palat Halla line. I feel like Halla has found a home. Now it wasn't Halla's fault that he was put on a line with Jack Hughes for the first two thirds of the season. He did not finish. He had way too many scoring opportunities to to not finish the way that he did. And I understand that people are very disappointed with him, and you have every right to be. But he was slotted a little over his head. The difference between playing on a line and the players that you're playing against when you're playing with Jack Hughes compared to playing center on a third line is a different caliber of player, defensively especially. I think Halla looks like he's very, very comfortable playing third line center. And it looks like him and Zetterlin are really gelling. And I would not be surprised if Halla was to break out of this season long slump and really turn it up and be a serious contributor down the road. I think he's going to do well in the playoffs just because he plays a physical kind of game. He goes to the net and he's able to play in hard areas and he's hard to play against, but he looks like he's gaining confidence and I would not be surprised if, you know, he really turns it on here down the stretch and is able to put a, some more in the back of the net than you would expect. He, um, Fabian Zetterlin has also looked really good. This is the best Zetterlin's I think has ever looked in his career. And he looks like he's settling in. He had a goal, um, a really beautiful shot that was set up from Halla. And, um, and you also have to give a shout out to Mike McLeod who had a really beautiful goal, a uh, beautiful assist where he passed the puck between his legs backwards and led to the miles wood, uh, which was ended up being the game winning goal. It was, you know, Wood was coming off of a benching, and I, I am, I'm, I'm over Miles Wood, and they, and Lindy Ruff said that he sat down and and they had a talk together and they went over some things, and he explained his his stance and why Wood was benched, 
And of course, Wood comes out and scores the next game. And I feel like this is just going to buy Wood more time. What he did do was he went out and took a penalty right after that. And, it, and it's like, this has been a problem with Miles Wood where he, he just takes way too many penalties. And he takes him in the offensive zone over and over and over. And that's completely unacceptable. You can't, you can't just continue to take offensive zone penalties, especially in a tight game. This is also a problem with Brendan Smith. Brendan Smith is a penalty machine. Every game that goes by, Brendan Smith or Miles Wood or both of them take a penalty, and we really can't afford to be on the penalty kill that much, especially if you look at the um, schedule that we have coming up in the month of March. You're not going to afford. You're not going to be able to afford to be on the penalty kill, and you're definitely not going to be able to afford to play like this in the playoffs. Um, you know, Siegenthaler came off of being uh, a healthy scratched. And they put Smith paired with Dougie. And, like, Smith just does not have the foot speed. He's caught out of position so much. He's actually out of position a lot more than what he ends up being. Um, like, they don't take advantage of him being out of position as much as he really is. There are so many times where I'm I'm at the game and I'm watching and I'm like, this guy is just not reading the play well, and he's he's definitely way too involved offensively, and he can't get back, or he makes a very bad pinch. And we're lucky that other teams don't capitalize it on on as much as they can. There's there's way more opportunities out there against Brendan Smith, and he ends up, and I think a lot of it leads to these penalties. But I I would I would definitely put Siegenthaler back on the pairing with Hamilton, and I would move Smith back down to the sixth defenseman. He's just not good. One of the things that Halla did look really good doing the other night was he was 14-3 and three on faceoffs, and he had um, two assists and three shots on net. So he is strong in the faceoff circle, and obviously that is a place where Mike McLeod is also very strong, and Nico Heischer is above average, but Jack is very has some deficiency in the circle. So after those two games, you felt really good about the team. They played, you know, they played two different styles of games, and they were very complete games. They were good with their puck in their own end. They transitioned well. They used their speed. They didn't rely on Jack Hughes to score all their goals, who Jack has had a little rust. Um, you know, it's going to take him a couple games. You miss a week, it's, it's going to take you a little bit. But he definitely was losing his edge quite a bit last night, last night's game versus Montreal. And they turned the puck over a lot. The Brat and Hughes line last night was not good. So Brat, Hughes, Sharon, Govich line had six giveaways. It was not good. So the Devils, you would think that they were going to try to take advantage of Winnipeg beating the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. They got Montreal at home. It was... um. Black history, uh, you know, it was like uh, African-American night or Black History Night or whatever they were calling it, which their jerseys were awesome, by the way. If you haven't seen those, the jerseys they used in warm-up were great. And the Habs come out and, and, and start, just beat the shit out of us. And it was, like, so depressing because it wasn't like, it wasn't like Montreal played that good. It was that we played that bad. And I feel like this is a thing that you're starting to see pretty regularly when they, when the Devils think that they're going to play a team, that they're going to blow out of the barn, they play really sloppy. And they just think that they have more talent than them and they're just going to crush them with their speed. And it, lurks, it just 
it lends itself to a ton of turnovers. They were turnover machines last night. It was so sloppy. Everybody's jumping into the play. Nobody's playing any kind of structured game. And, you know, for the first time, really this year, Vitek Vanacek was just not good. You knew it was going to happen sooner or later, but he did not look good. He he just he wasn't stopping anything last night. Now, what happens is they get down by two goals early, and they automatically think that they're going to come back. And it's like it's not always going to happen. You can't afford to give teams two goal leads. You have to show up on time. But they were just way too confident last night, and they were completely careless with the puck. Especially in their own end. And our, our forwards that our forwards that play with real speed and carry the puck through the neutral zone turned the puck over and over and over. Jack Hughes was just sliding around all over the ice on his ass for half the game. And this loss was by no means his fault, but you would like to see more out of that line. Mercer ended up scoring again. Now, he's got five goals in his last four games, and he's got 12 shots in his last three games, so he is shot out of a cannon. I don't know what the hell happened to him. His name has been floating around in the Timo Meyer deal. We'll get into that in a minute, but he uh, really found a great time to show who he is, and I think moving him up to the first line did wonders for him because he looks like he's playing a lot more confidently. He's like a dog on a bone, and um, yeah, he just looks he he just looks rejuvenated. He looks like he's got life, so uh, I'm happy for him. And um, what was crazy was the third line played really good again. And I think we really have something with that third line. So when the third line was on the ice, their scoring chances were 13 in our favor and one against. The problem is they only played 7 minutes and 24 seconds the entire game. So that that line dominated, but they really didn't get the ice time that they deserved. And I get it, you want to play... Hughes, and you want to play Brat as much as possible, especially when you're trailing. But Hughes and Brat weren't doing anything, and Sharon Govich wasn't doing anything either. In fact, Sharon Govich really made a bad play where he brought the puck into his own zone uh, from the neutral zone, turned it over in the feet of Brendan Smith, and ended up turning right into a goal, which was a really, really nice um tic-tac-toe scoring play by the Canadians that Vanacek had no chance on. But, you know, going through a season, there's going to be games like this. This is, this is not the first time that the Devils are going to lose to uh, a team that they should beat. But you have, to, you have to be able to play. You shouldn't play to the level of your competition you should have a standard that you hold yourself to. And you can't just automatically assume that you're going to be able to skate circles around a team. I mean, the talent the talent level between the two teams is not even on the same planet. And they just took that for granted, and they thought they were going to run them out of the building, and they just completely lacked fundamentals and lost their game and lost their way and just went completely rogue. But it is what it is. So we're gonna we're gonna get away from that. It's one game, and luckily for them, they have two more games coming up at home versus the Kings tomorrow night and the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday, which is going to be the 2003 Stanley Cup reunion game. Um, there's going to be a bunch of people in town. Let's see what we got. We have um, Brian Gianta. Uh, everybody's coming to town pretty much. The whole the whole 2003 team, even Lou's going to be in the building. But obviously, we know there's only a couple more days left in the trade deadline, and the big fish is Timo Meyer. 
And now, of, of course, everyone has talked about Timo Meyer over and over and over. And it, it's, it's getting old, or it's getting tiring, or it's wearing people down. And I get it. So we're going we're gonna to touch on this real quick. We're going to get into some more Timo talk. So this is a clip from Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick from 32 Thoughts on the latest on the Timo Meyer situation. Elliot, Timo Meyer, we got a, an update, which sounds bad. Upper body injury did not practice, but do we know how bad it is? I don't think it's that bad. It sounds like, you know, the, the thing that Dave Gwynn said was that he didn't practice on Sunday, but he didn't know if it was going to be unable to keep him out of the game on Monday against the Kraken. So I had heard that they weren't too worried about it. We'll see. It's bubble wrap season could happen but I definitely got the impression on Sunday that this wasn't alien invasion style mass Ooh. panic to me this whole thing looks like it is headed now the St. Louis wrinkle is an interesting one the St. Louis question is an interesting one and don't report that as a fact that's just me and another guy spitballing no, we'll no, see no, where report it takes that as us a fact. no everybody who has <laughs> access to a Twitter account please quote Elliot let's just <laughs> blow things up here Timo Meyer. it looks and feels as if this thing is headed towards New Jersey, which you know generally means he won't, because um, that's the nature of how things go. But it does seem to really line up here for the New Jersey Devils. If you look at what a team like the Maple Leafs were unprepared to pay for Timo Meyer, I look to the New Jersey Devils and I say, well, you know what? The New Jersey Devils can pay that price, plus they have a need, plus it seems like a real fit, plus it's a playoff team, it's a young ride. Like, everything seems to line up with Timo Meyer and the New Jersey Devils. What are we missing, if anything? I don't think you're missing anything, Jeff. We just don't have a deal. See, with Toronto being out, I don't think they were the number one contender or even the number two contender, but they were in the race. And they were a bit more of a long shot, but they were there. I agree with you. Like, like Everybody seems to think here that New Jersey is not only the most likely place that he ends up if you're handicapping it but what someone said to me was they're probably the place that needs him the most and I you know I said to a couple of people what do you mean by that and what they said is that look the Islanders have gone out and they've added Horvat for eight years the Rangers went out and got their guy Tarasenko and they could win the Stanley Cup this year yes they could the one of the things you think about is is just like the local arms race. When you're in New Jersey, you're always battling for attention. You're always battling to get noticed. This is the year that you guys have a great team, and Meyer is available, who's a difference maker of a player who could be yours for many years. And they just said, like, for on-the-ice reasons, because he's a hell of a player, and New Jersey's a bit of a small team, People also talk about that being the perfect place for Meyer to go because he's exactly what they need in terms of a bigger, stronger forward who can score. Really talented guy. So people look at it as the fit from an on-ice perspective and the off-ice perspective of, hey, we're the Devils. We think we're the best team in New York. We have been for most of the year. And now we're going to show while the Islanders and Rangers are adding well, we think we're better than them, so we're going to add two. Like, it's a really fascinating conversation. The one thing that someone said to me is they feel that Mike Greer is prepared to slow play this a bit. And when you're a new general manager, people want to understand, okay, what is this guy's M.O.? Like, every general manager has an M.O. Like, Doug Wilson, they called the dentist because he would just drill you, and uh, <laughs> and and that was that was his nickname. Yeah, Brad Tree Living has a reputation as a guy who he likes to be on everything. He likes to know everything that's going on uh, around the league. Yep, there are the GMs who are very tight uh, with the information. Bill Armstrong in Arizona, he's developing a reputation as a as a bit of a salesman. He's he's very good at talking to you and selling you on why what he's going to propose is good for you. So everybody's got their rep, right? Mm -hmm. So people are trying to figure out the way Greer handles this, what is his rep going to be? And what one person said to me is, he's slow playing this. 
Okay. And if you play cards and you're a slow player, what that means is that you wait, you wait, and you wait, and then you make your big bet. And the only reason you slow play, there's two reasons you slow play. Number one is because you don't have anything and you're bluffing. Or number two, you have a really good hand and you're trying to draw in the people to find out who's really in this game with you. You want to see who else might have a good hand or who else mm -hmm. is really going to be there with you at the end. Well, it's obviously B. He's got the best player available. They think he's going to wait this out, wait this out, wait this out, wait this out, and then see at the end who may bend to him a little bit. Now that I've said this, he'll probably trade him like two seconds after the pod drops, so, but at least that's the early read on the market. So, so Mike Greer, he wants to do this, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to wait it out and wait it out and wait it out. Wait it out then, Fitz. There is no reason to start throwing assets and throwing away the future in order to get this player if you made him a legit offer. So let's get into what I think Mike Greer is doing. Mike Greer is obviously trying to do what is best for his franchise. It is completely normal for him to try to ask for players that he does not think are available. So to ask for a Dawson Mercer. Now, who we would not want to trade Dawson Mercer for Timo Meyer. That doesn't make any sense because it's not going to be just Mercer for Meyer. It's going to be Mercer plus a first or Mercer plus a, a prospect. I don't think that the Devils are willing to do that. If you made him your offer, stick with it. Because the longer this goes on, the more it plays into the devil's hands. He only has a week to trade this player at this point. The Rangers are out of it. Toronto's out of it. You have people falling off. People are going to want to pull the trigger if he waits too long. Now, there's been reports that St. Louis, Pierre Lebrun reported that St. Louis and Doug Armstrong have offered up two first round picks for him oh! i know that's what i said you're not getting two first round picks now and then the devils actually when you offer holtz and a first that's like two first round picks don't drop your pants for this guy the truth is greer has to move him he's going to get an incredible return no doubt about it but greer has to move him too he's looking for the best return possible and we have the best return possible now whether or not he values the picks more than the prospects is a totally different story but i was in american whiskey last night and i'm wearing my nemitz jersey and some guy says to me oh wow don't you think that's a little premature especially being that they're going to trade him uh they're going to trade the guy within a week i don't like that kind of talk and i that's what i told him I said, I don't like that kind of talk. And I go, the Devils are not moving Meyer, or they're not moving Nemitz. And he said, well, you know, I've been waiting to get a Sharon Govich jersey. He's my favorite player. And I, you know, I'm worried about them moving him. And I said, the difference between Sharon Govich and Nemitz is that Sharon Govich is a fifth round winger. And Simone Nemitz is a second overall right-handed defenseman. Kind of a big difference. You're a fucking choir boy compared to me. A choir boy. So that's what I told him. And his friends agreed with me. So with that said, you don't get the right-handed second overall defenseman. You don't get Luke Hughes, obviously. But you are going to have to give something up. He wants Mercer. You're not going to give him Mercer. So this is what you do. You make your offers, and if he doesn't take it, fuck him. Let him walk. Let somebody else overpay for him. But you can offer him right now. The thing was, they sent Holtz down. They end up sending Holtz down. And obviously, what happens? He gets hurt. Well, that, that's just perfect. And then Mackenzie Blackwood gets hurt. And Timo Meyer is hurt. 
And you have all these guys that are hurt now, and I don't think any of them are long-term, but it doesn't help out the situation at all. You were hoping that maybe Holtz would get a little bit of visibility, maybe have a couple strong games in the AHL, and maybe that would push them over the edge. So let's get into what are realistic trades for Timo Meyer that you feel comfortable with. My original, my original offer was a first, Holtz, and Riley Walsh. Obviously, it looks like things have picked up. Now, you have to think, what percentage of these rumors are actually true? Obviously, Greer is trying to drive the trade value up. Do you think Doug Armstrong is willing to part with two first-round picks right now? That is very, very iffy. I'm not sure that that is the truth. One team that does worry me a little bit is Vegas. And the reason that those teams scare me the most, and Winnipeg, but the reason that those teams scare me the most is because Vegas is very, very unpredictable, and they like to go for the home run swing. You look at Pietrangelo, Jack Eichel. It's like Stone. These are, this is a guy, these are, you know, it's like Vegas almost represents the city of Las Vegas, where everything has to be over the top and ridiculous, and they need all the best players, and they need to be in the Stanley Cup contender, uh, you know, conversation at all times. And they did just put Mark Stone on LTIR at $9.5 million. So that is a team that it does concern me a little bit just because they're so irrational. Obviously, the team that I worry about the most is Carolina. It's like if Timo wants to go to San Jose and he wants to play in the Central, then go ahead. You know what I mean? Like that that doesn't affect us really. Does it suck that we didn't get him? Sure. Is it good that we didn't overpay for him? Yes, it is. We don't need to mortgage the future for anybody right now. Our window is literally just opening. Now what happens is when your window opens, you have to kind of be ready to start making moves in order to try to start winning because what's going to happen now you have Nico, you have Jack playing at a, at an MVP type candidate level. You have Dougie Hamilton playing at a Norris trophy level level. Things are starting to really gel with this team. We look like we can actually be a cup contender with a couple of new pieces, whether or not it's going to be this year or next year or the following year, but you're going to lose some players. So you're going to lose the Severson. You're going to lose. I'm wondering what they're going to do with Graves. It's hard to lose two defensemen that are veterans. If they can get Graves for a three-year deal at, I would say, $3.5 million, I would sign him. I think Graves has had a really good bounce-back season. I think he's been really good. He would be a guy that can add a little stability on the back end when you bring up Nemitz and you bring up Hughes, and you don't have a Severson there anymore. Otherwise, you're going to have to go out and get somebody anyway. And he's got size. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. But you might take a little bit of a step back when you lose. If you lose Graves and you lose Severson, you might take a little bit of a step back. And at that point, the team is already going to be buyers at the trade deadline for years to come. The window is already open. Your players are kind of like hitting their prime. This is the time. So you might... Next year, just being realistic, if Nemitz and Hughes hit a bit a little a little bit of a learning curve, which I expect them to, I mean, it's very, very difficult for a defenseman to hop into the NHL after playing in college or playing in the AHL and be very effective. Um, don't be surprised if the Devils don't have the same record as they have this year. You don't have that experience. You know, don't be surprised if... Jack Hughes, while he's going to be very, very good, if he's not an MVP-type candidate or Dougie Hamilton doesn't have 16 goals, 56 games through the season. Like, that's just not... I mean, that would be very hard to to repeat. You know what I mean? You're going to need other players to step up, and that's fine, and that's why you're going to try to add new players, and that's why you're trying to add a guy like Timo Meyer. But what are you really willing to give up? So originally, it was... Holtz a first and Riley Walsh. That was my thought process. 
It seems like it's going to take more than that. Mercer is off the table. Nemitz is off the table. Hughes is off the table. So what do we have? Defensemen are, in my opinion, or not in my opinion, in hockey, right-hand shot defensemen specifically are the hardest position to come by. That and centers. We have a a plethora of defensemen, young defensemen coming up. Who do you want to part with? That's very difficult to say. You know, you have a guy like Kevin Ball. Kevin Ball has played really good lately. Not really good, but he's been he's taken a step forward. He's only 22 years old. He's 6 foot 7. This is a guy that couldn't he can literally be a very good depth player and potentially shit by the time he's 24, 25 years old can be a really good solid uh, reliable NHL defenseman. You have Nikita Ohutuk, and then obviously you have the Seamus Casey, Shakir Mukamadulin. I'm missing somebody. Anyway, so you talk about, all right, would you be willing to give a first Holtz and Mukamadulin? I don't know if I'd be willing to do that. That seems like a lot. Or Holtz, a first, and Casey. The problem is we've ruined Holtz so much, and it's not ruined his career, but I just feel like him and the Devils organization have just, it's been a horrible development to where its he's probably needs a fresh start somewhere else. So by getting rid of him, not only is the other team getting your one of your best prospects, but you're kind of unloading a, a guy that, clearly has not fit into your system very well. It's kind of a win-win, to be honest with you. Now, let's say the Sharks don't want Holtz, which I do. I think they do because I, I, I think they believe in the chemistry and they've seen the tape of Holtz playing with William Eklund, who they're trying to build their team around. But if they don't want Holtz, then you wonder who is going to be the main piece. So then it could be a first-rounder, Muka Madulin, and then maybe a Faven Zetterland, which would be sad to see because I think Zetterland's really starting to find his way. It could be, I mean, I'm not as high on Sharon Govich as a lot of other Devil fans. If you were able to move Sharon Govich, Holtz, and a first, I would do that. Or if you wanted to do Holtz a first, Casey, I might do that too. And Casey just is like very, very skilled player. He doesn't have a ton of size. Um, and I know the Devils like, they want to be bigger. And then Meyer would add a lot of size to this team. So there's a bunch of different trade scenarios. I'm not moving Mercer. I'm not moving Nemitz. And if I'm Tom Fitzgerald, you know, while I'm not a fan of if you find a better offer, then call me, I am a fan of this is my offer and call me back if you if you want to take it. And if you have to move a couple things around, maybe you want to throw him a third-round pick next year or something like that, then that's fine. But you can't let him go to Carolina. Because, you know, if he comes to New Jersey, not only is he going to really propel this team into a totally different level, we're going to be like legit contenders right away. Don't be surprised if we get Meyer that we don't add another player to a depth player, another fourth liner, and then maybe a depth defenseman. And obviously, Shen's been on everybody's radar. But if if he goes to Carolina, and not only did you not get him, but now you just lost him to a divisional opponent who you're going to have to face for the next eight years. What is the Meyer deal going to look like? That's a whole nother thing. If you could get Meyer for under nine... 8.5 or 8 million over 8 years, it's a win. 
ideally you'd like to get him for eight million and give him the Hughes contract and just keep it at nobody makes more money than Hughes. Kind of do like the the Boston Bruins thing where everybody takes a discount here. If you don't want to be part of a winning team, a team that's going to contend for a cup every year, then go ahead, go chase the money. But if you can get him at eight times eight, that's a slam dunk. And that makes a big difference. And you have to wonder, they say that, they're saying that, you know, nobody's been able to talk to Claude Lemieux, Timo's agent, but you'd like to, you'd like to think that there's got to be talks behind doors to where, hey, listen, if we're able to work this thing out, what is the deal looking like with this guy? I think he, he's going to want nine. But maybe a couple, you know, fellow Swiss kids on, on the team can, can lure him over here. I know he was in Tulum, and Jonas Siegenthaler was there, and I think Nico was there too. And the Devils have a really cool thing going on right now. We're a fun team to watch. They're talking about possibly um, Kevin Weeks reported that the De- it looks like the Devils are going to have a stadium series game next year at MetLife or Giant Stadium, as I like to call it. And it's like, shit, I grew up going to Devils games in Giant Stadium, you know what I mean? Like, in the parking lot, anyway. Walking across those tunnels with everybody mooing and people barbecuing and skating around in the parking lot, and that's something that you don't really get in Newark that it would be really cool. I mean... Think of how sick it would be for a Devils Ranger outdoor game at Giant Stadium, 80,000 people. It'd be fun. The Devils are actually like, we're on the come up. The league definitely is acknowledging the speed and the talent that this young team has despite being in a small market. If you can land Meyer, all hell is going to break loose in Jersey. All hell is going to break loose. I can't think of another player coming to an arena and getting the kind of love Meyer will get if he ever suits up in his first game at the Rock. It's legit. People are very, very sold on this guy. And I think a lot of it has to do with the... He's just the perfect fit for the team, obviously. Um, He has a proven track record. He's You know who he is. You're not getting... This isn't a guy who, you know has had one good year and then has fell off another year and been inconsistent. He's very consistent. He plays every game. He plays a big physical game. He and and I think like the Switzerland connection just it just runs very deep. And I I, I just can't I really I really hope this happens. I mean if I think the longer that this go, goes on, the more urgency other teams are going to have to make the moves that they need to. And the Devils are kind of in a situation where they don't need to make any move, really. So I think, and and we have the best package. So it's okay. Like, I know we all want it done yesterday, but, like, it might be what's best for this team long-term is to just sit back and let Mike Greer come to you and then offer him a fair deal and not overpay for him and mortgage part of our future and have another piece that we could build around a team with Timo Meyer on it. Now, another guy that got hurt was Mackenzie Blackwood. He was injured again in practice. This guy is like Mr. Glass, man. And it's a shame because he's played pretty good this year. He's been a very... He's been a good backup goalie for sure. There's just... The guy is always hurt. And one of the reasons, um, or one of the things that the Devils really wanted to evaluate going into this season was, are we going to be able to resign Blackwood knowing in good faith that he can stay healthy, he can be a consistent goalie, and he could be a team player? And he has been pretty consistent, but health-wise, he just, I don't know if he could play a full season. And you wonder how much money he's going to want. There's a lot going on right now. This is going to be a very interesting week. I got the pickle coming up, and uh, we're going to be hitting the game tomorrow night. They play the Los Angeles Kings, who are a really good team. They're going to be looking to make some moves, too. 
You know, I know they're talking about Jacob Chikrin, which I just can't wait until Jacob Chikrin is finally just off the trading block. I feel like it's been like five years. It's like, my God. And for all the talk about Chikrin, it's like I, the, the amount of time that I've actually watched this guy play is probably like, it, it's not a lot. I know he's good. I know he skates well. But I don't know. Out in the desert, I don't know if anybody's watching that right now. But I'm just looking forward to him just being somewhere so we don't have to talk about him anymore. But you see what these new trade, you know, these trade acquisitions have done for teams. Ryan O'Reilly had a hat trick last night, and obviously Tarasenko's gotten off to a very fast start and brought that Ranger team together. And I don't know. Whoever gets Meyer, I think if the Devils get Meyer, it could just be, it could get real fun real quick. Not that it already isn't, but it could just take it, this whole thing to another level. And then maybe you drop a Luke Hughes in going into the playoffs, and it's like, holy shit. Could be a lot of fun. But we'll wait and see what happens. And um, either way, it's just really encouraging and really fun as a Devils fan for it to be um, February, the end of February, and we're talking about being buyers at the deadline. It's been a long time. We got a lot of good years of Devils hockey coming ahead of us. We're going to be at the game tomorrow, and we're going to be at the game Saturday. I'm headed off to Costa Rica. I'll be recording from there. Be watching their, uh, their trip out west. But this is the trap. I'm Billy Botch. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Hope to talk to you soon. <laughs>